Hello everyone, wherever you are in the world and wherever you may graze. And welcome to yet another edition of our Cathedral of Sport podcast, hosted by myself, Ash, and the right reverend, Bobby Love. We've got a new show today, guys. Yes, folks, it's our new fan guest feature. And in this episode, we welcome on YouTube vlogger and Heart of Midlovian fan, Aaron Fraser. Going to start with you, Bob, as usual, when we start a show. So how have you been these last 48 hours since the last time I spoke to you, mate? Yeah. Absolutely fine, yes. I just trying to keep quiet and all that, you know, having to pay my uni fees today, which made me start crying. But uh, yes, I were doing okay. How's yourself? Isn't isn't uni free in Scotland? Not if you've already been there before, it's not. Ah, that's where they get you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all good, mate. Um, going fishing tomorrow down at Cowsey and Peebles, so... That's going to be quite interesting. I hope I catch myself a little bit of rainbow trout to bring home to cook up for me and the missus. Anyway, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, welcome to the show, mate. How has life been treating you? It's been not too bad, mate. I've been um, back at school the last three weeks, final year. So, settling back into that routine has been, um, been challenging at times. But um, I'm just about on top of my schoolwork again. And I just... Um, just first doing a bit of journalism homework before I jumped on here. So, I life's been all right. Just try to get back into the swing of things. Brilliant. Um, by the way, to our, our listeners in England, um, school in Scotland is up until 18. So, we've not just we've not just got this random, like, 12-year-old on our show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he is of college age. Um, so, yeah, journalism course, Aaron. Uh, well done to you, mate. Um, I'm sure you'll go far in that. Right, Aaron, let's... Let's begin. So this is our new fan guest feature, folks, and we're getting a fan on from a different club every single week. Okay. So, Aaron, let's go back to your early childhood, which is probably not that far, far behind, to be honest. Um, you, look, you're a Hearts fan. You're not from a traditional Hearts area of Edinburgh, are you, mate? So what was your... Look, being from Leith, so what would have been your influence for, for supporting a, a team from the other side of Edinburgh, uh, so to speak? And what is your earliest memory of supporting Hearts? Well, it was my dad that got me to support in Hearts. Um, he's been Hearts all his life, and my granddad, well, his dad, he's also from Leith, but he always supported Hearts. So that got passed down to my dad, and then that got passed down to me. I've been a Hearts fan since the day I was born, really. There's plenty of photos around in the house, even though I never used to always like the football. I've always been a Hearts fan I've been kicking about in Hearts top since like day dot really so there was never really any choice in what team I was going to support it was just <laughs> you're supporting Hearts you're supporting nobody so I supported Hearts um, my earliest memory of supporting Hearts would um, a very very early one would have been I can barely remember it but I can only remember how hot it was that day but it was the 2006 cup parade I was only three years old at the time when probably the best Hearts team in my lifetime were playing and um, I remember getting taken up the mound to um, to watch the, the cup bus go along Princess Street. And um, I remember not much that day apart from the, the bloody heat. It was honestly, it was sweltering. But my first Hearts game, I remember very well. Um, first game of the 2010-11 season, uh, a 1-1 draw with St. Johnson at Tynecastle. So not the most exciting baptism to the world of football. Uh, by all accounts, sat and read the programme more than I watched the game, but... I've looked it up since then. It was a 1-1 draw. And um, a certain Callum Elliott, who's now the player manager at Tynecastle FC, scored the opening goal that day. So a bit of pointless trivia. But yeah, I've been going to Hearts games since I was uh, about seven years old. So it's been good. I've had some ups and downs, but when they change it for the world, really. So I'm going to ask then, you said it took you a while to like football. How did you manage to get over that? Well, initially, my dad just took me along for the social aspect, really. Like, I like I liked sitting and talking to his pals. I liked reading the programme, I don't know, just taking in the whole stadium atmosphere and talking to everybody. But I've always been talking, as you can most likely tell by now. But um, I never really understood the game and didn't seem to make much of an effort to understand the game. My dad would always be telling me, oh, stop reading your programme, there's going to be a goal scored, or you're going to watch Rudy Scatchel. I'm like, I, I don't care. <laughs> Which, looking back on it, Mm, not my best decision to not understand what football was with Hearts on a competent side. However, now that I know all about it, we're absolutely rank rotten. So, sword's law, eh? But um, 
eventually I started actually paying attention to what was going on in front of me. And um, I sort of picked it up from there. I'd say the the first championship season was the first time I really like properly understood football and like started going home and away. But um, before that, it was more about the social aspect. But I eventually came to my senses and I've no real look back since. Um, and my dad would now say I watch too much football. I'm, I'm, I'm borderline obsessed at this point. But um, yeah, it took me a while to really warm up to the game. But now that I've um, got myself accustomed to it, I do nothing but watch it. Aaron, apart from the football aspect, as you as you just mentioned there, what was the thing that, that drew you the most to Tynecastle at that young age? Um, forget about football completely. You know, was it a Nash scenario where it was the uh, scent of the bacteria-riddled hot dogs? <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, every everyone everyone that's uh, gone to football from a very young age, uh, young age, sorry, has that one thing that that sticks out. Apart from the actual football aspect, about um, what drew them into to the ground that they were going to, the home ground that they were going to. So, what was yours, mate? Well, um, it's one that Hearts fans will appreciate. It's the smell of the brewery. Oh in no! Oh. <laughs> I love it. What are you on about? I don't. <laughs> I love that. Honestly, oh. it's just that smell just sticks out to me. Always like my nan. My nan lives nearby in Christophen. So what would happen after the games? We'd go to them. We'd go to the Hearts games, and then we'd drive up the road past Murrayfield and Pinecastle and go and see her. And then when we'd we'd drive past on um, I forget the Western approach. I think the road's called. And then we'd always drive past Pinecastle on one side, Murrayfield on the other, and just that smell would always hit me. And I don't know why, but when I was younger, probably because my nan used to make it all the time. I used to think it smelled of tomato soup or tomato puree. So I don't know why it always just stuck in my head that um. That, that scent but um, I, I still like that smell to this day but if we're talking about non um, brewery related things I just say like the old stand used to look really big and imposing to me obviously I was a lot smaller then but all like all the brickwork it was all it was all crumbly but it still looked like had a bit of character to me so even at a young age I'd, I'd appreciate the aesthetics of the place but definitely the smell of the brewery was the main thing that I always remember and still appreciate to this day really Oh <laughs> Yes, that's pretty much my thoughts as well, Ash. I think that smell is absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Um, for somebody that likes, sorry, for somebody <laughs> that likes beer as much as yourself, Bob, I'm surprised you've got a negative attitude towards the brewery. Yes, uh, my, my my drinking exploits will be remaining off this podcast. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so obviously you, you you've got the brewery, and uh, I know for me when I first started going to Tin Castle. Um, the thing that really drew me in terms of the players was like John Cahoon and watching him marauding down the wing. Was there any kind of like players that you thought really stood out for you when you were when you were younger that kind of stuck out for you that like wanted you to keep going back? It's going to be a very random one. Or like, I don't know, it might seem that way. But whenever um, I, I used to sit in the old stand, like in the front enclosure, I've been in the same stand really since I started going. And then um, Lee Wallace used to always be on the left-hand side. And because I'd see Wallace in the back of his shirt all the time, he was the only player that I could remember his name. So I used to always say Lee Wallace is my, my favourite player. But um, when I actually got told about the players more, obviously Scatchel stood out really. Like, he was the main man. Like I was always told about how good he was. And even though at the time I didn't really appreciate how good he was, like I knew, like I was told by everybody, like, oh, Rudy's the one to watch. He's the, he's the main man. But Lee Wallace was always my favourite because I could always just, I can always remember his name because if somebody was like, oh, man, who's your favourite player? I could just go, Lee Wallace. So I'd say him. I didn't, again, at the time, I never appreciated that he was actually a pretty decent footballer. I could just remember his name. So Lee Wallace and Rudy Scatchel from a very young age. Obviously, as I've got older, I've actually appreciated players for their ability. Um, I'm still not over Kyle Lafferty, I'll be honest. Absolute madman, but he's the best striker I've seen at Hearts in my lifetime. So definitely him. Also, when he first came back, Christoph Berra, like because he was head of a bus, really. But now, uh, he's he's not the player he used to be. But definitely, when I was younger, Scatchel and Wallace. Uh, any any Hibs fans that are listening to this uh, episode will be seething at the thought of hearing the name Lee Wallace after a certain cup final in twenty sixteen. <laughs> 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 Aaron, look, um, look before we. Before we move on with the show, another 
part of your childhood, big part of your childhood uh, following football in your teenage years, mate. Um, in my opinion, it's the it's the most fun time to be a football fan where you start meeting people and you start going on your own and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, look, one game that sticks out from childhood, you know, before you hit those teenage years, what was it? What was what was what was the game that that you always look back on and think, yeah, that's that, that's absolutely brilliant. When you, when you went with your dad and stuff like that. There's a few, but for the scoreline, I'm going to say when we beat Cowden Beef ten 0 I was there. As was I. I was I was only eleven. Or, I would have been I would have been eleven or twelve back then. So it's scary, like how young I really was. But I remember. Um, it was about we we were eight or nine nil up. We were nine nil up. It, was, it started pouring down, and um, all you could hear was "We want ten, we want 10. Nobody actually thought we we're gonna get ten. And then your man Osman so has other ideas, and this rattles in the tenth goal from about 15, 20 yards out, and the whole place just goes mad. So obviously it wasn't the highest caliber of opposition, but I'm never gonna see a Hearts team win ten nil. And I, I always spare a thought for my mate Luke. He's like my dad's friend Barry, who goes to the games with us. His son. He missed that game that day for a birthday party. And because of the rain, I'm pretty sure the birthday party got called off. So he missed us beating a team 10-0. And, and he still gets raged about it when I bring it up. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Although, to oh. be fair, um, to be fair um, that season I went to every single home game. But I missed the game against Rangers when we won the trophy because I had a wedding to go to. My dad... Still went to that game, but I had, I had to go to the wedding. So I was um, I was swiping through my phone at the back of the hall. Bride and groom are about to say that I do, and I'm going mad because Zifuix just scored to make it 2-2. Two two, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who cares about a wedding, hey? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, um, the food there made up for a disappointment of not seeing Hearts lift the championship trophy, although um, I'll, I'll hopefully see that again this season. So that'll make up for um, five years ago. Fingers crossed. Hoping so. Certainly so. So, over your, your very young age so far, what have been like your highs with hearts and what have been the lows? Well, the highs, obviously, in my lifetime, we've gotten to three Scottish Cup finals and won two of them. So, compared to a lot of older hearts fans, I've got a pretty decent record. Um, to be honest, see if we'd won that Celtic one last year, that would have topped a lot. I mean, I wasn't at the Gretna game. My dad was there, it was his final game. They went to with my granddad before he unfortunately died, so I guess that was a good final game to go to for the big man. Um, the five-one, I remember, I remember so much about the day, like getting the supporters bus to Hamden, getting the getting the first bus from the bottom shop in Leith, it's like the Hearts pub in Leith. Yes, I know, such a thing does exist somehow. But I remember everything, getting my face painted at the social club before the game. Everyone's in the jukebox, party atmosphere. But my recollection of the game's pretty limited, although. I do remember getting thrown up in the air after Scatchell's um, first goal. So I recall the semi-final that year a lot better. The the one where we beat Celtic with the last minute um, Craig Beatty penalty. Um, the sun got in my eyes midway through the second half because I was still quite small. I couldn't see over the boy in front of me. The sun was in my eyes. I wasn't having a good time. So me and my dad ventured up the back to the, the you know the disabled enclosure at Hamden with the wee seats. Uh-huh. Um, they were empty. So I just sat on one of them because the roof was um, keeping the sun out of my eyes and then we got the penalty and I was still very young. I didn't appreciate how big a moment that was, but honestly, I have never been so like, I, I could feel my stomach knotting when he was running up to take it and I've never felt, it was probably the longest minute of my life before he hit that ball, but um, it was, he smashed it in the goal and I started, um, I never actually seen Beatty's iconic tops off celebration because I was too busy running around the top of hand and um, just, arms out to the sides gone mad so I've never actually seen that celebration but I was far away anyway just loving life on the on the, the concourse so uh, 2012 season was definitely one of the highs um, also um, I know it's not a specific sporting high but over like the last year and a half I've started going to the weight games on my own I've kind of I've met a lot of new people through going to that so I'd say and a lot of them have become like really good friends of mine especially recently so um I'd say the whole meeting new people from like other places, like I've got friends like Kirkcaldy, Alloa, like they're all Hearts fans. And like, I just think it's good having a, a bigger network if I was to go to games with. So definitely on a sporting context, the 2012 season, because we were actually half decent, 
But um, also just meeting new friends as well. That's probably the main highlight for me. Definitely. Um, obviously, 2012 was uh, probably the best the best cup final in history um, from a Hearts perspective. Anyway, now, as you said, you're going with, with mates now and stuff like that. And you, you met met a load of different lads. And, you know, it's a great thing. It's what football's all about, mate, in my opinion. But, and I know you you stand with them as much as you can now at Tynecastle, where permitted. But tell us a little bit about the atmosphere at Tynecastle now, because, look, Aaron, um, it's well documented why it's not used to why it be. It used to be a cauldron of noise, but in recent years, it's gone a bit flat. Look, I know that it's been tough times. It's been a lack of quality on the pitch. And, you know, I think uh, Levine handled the the club quite badly, in, in my opinion. Uh, well, everyone's opinion, to be fair. But what do you think will really bring the feel-good factor back? Apart from apart from like results on the pitch and that, it's, do you know, is, is it... What, what, what's got to change at, at Tynecastle? Because things are quite strict there. I, I notice it, the stewarding's quite strict and, and stuff like that now. So what do you think needs to change at Tynecastle to really bring that, that cauldron of noise back and make it an intimidating place for away teams to go again? I think, to be honest, the main thing is we have to be seeing good football on the pitch. Like, see when that, that 2015-16 season, when Hearts qualified for Europe at the first time of asking. There were several big games that season, like one against Aberdeen sticks out in my mind. Um, it was two games against them, both at night time, one in the league, one in the Scottish Cup, and both games the place was absolutely rocking. Like, see, like when the team's doing well, it's a big game. There's no better place to be in Tynecastle for atmosphere. It's like a cauldron of noise, like you said. But I feel some Hearts fans, I don't know, they only get up for the big games. Like, yeah, they'll happily. They'll happily like make a load of noise against Celtic or Rangers as a derby game, but for like I don't know Ross County at home, like, I know like it can be hard to get excited by so-called lesser fixtures. But for me, like every game's worth getting up for. Like it's three points you're playing for. It's next round of the cup. It's bragging rights. Whatever it is, it's a game of football, and I feel a lot of Hearts fans can be a little bit happy clappy at times. Like they'll only turn up and like cheer all oh, the teams doing well. Or I feel sometimes after this get behind them and realise like obviously we're not like the so-called powerhouse that we used to be like so much so any of these guys will have been like spoiled like you know like the Romanov years like bringing in like top quality players and like now they'll be looking at the current lot and be thinking mm, it's not what I'm used to like and I feel like I don't know I reckon Hearts fans as a, as a whole need to back the team like they back the team obviously massively with the foundation of Hearts the finances were a fantastic fan base for that, but I do feel that a lot of Hearts fans need to just like liven up a bit. You'll know, get behind the team, cheer them, sing the songs. Like there's been several attempts, there's been a few ultras groups established. One time, like 2015, we had one, but um, some um, off the field instance with them led to them getting banned from Tynecastle. The most recent attempt, the Gorgie Boys, they were good, but they had a reputation of only really showing up for the big games. Like see at the big games, they were they were quality, but like at the smaller games people were more reluctant to join in like they had drumming flags and stuff but they could never really get the place bouncing unless it was a big game so the main thing for me needs to be the whole they need to bring the big game atmospheres to the smaller games as hard as it may be to replicate it but at the start of the 18-19 season when Hearts were like at the top of the league playing well even the, the normal sitting your hands fans they were getting along and singing and the place was rocking after we scored goals like we just need to bring a better atmosphere wherever we go and no matter the circumstance a game of football is a game of football and you should back your team accordingly 100% mate I can't, can't find fault in that uh, so so can I ask there's, there's a couple of things you said there that the fans are quite happy clappy and a bit kind of quiet now is that because of how the club's been run do you think over the last few years and do you think the club can do more to try and make the atmosphere better It's a difficult one, obviously, because I, I, I'm only a fan. I can't really sit here and slag off the board too much because at like, the end of the day, they're the ones with the, whatever, whatever you want to call it, expertise. And they're the ones in the hot seat at the end of the day. So they're the ones who have to make the decisions. But they've, they've made a positive start. Like a couple of years ago, they, they put in the new fans bar, which has been a good addition. People have been coming to games earlier more and going in there to socialise. And it's more money in the club too, which is always a good thing. But... I reckon like the, the stewarding can be a bit strict at times too, and I don't know. Maybe just have 
that sort of a little bit more. And but to be fair, a lot of Hearts fans were discontent with the way the club's been run. There's been several protests, especially last season with the whole relegation. There was multiple protests throughout the season. There was a big flag unfurled in Section N saying that Budge and Levine were killing the club. There's been the, the, the Levine out protests were obviously a big thing and, until he went, obviously. But um, I reckon, see when Hearts fans are totally content with how the club's been run, because obviously you can't please everybody in football, but I do feel that see when Hearts are a fan-owned club and the fans do get more of say, I reckon people will start getting, even getting off the high horse, I don't know the proper phrase for it, but they'll, um, they'll start back in the club because they'll feel it's totally theirs again and they'll feel it's worth getting behind like I feel it's worth getting behind anyway because it's my team it's my club always will be always has been but a lot of people will feel that they'll want to back the club more if they maybe feel their opinion is more valid or will go further and I reckon fan ownership will hopefully improve things there too that's what I was going to I was going to move on to that Aaron um, cheers for directing the the interview for me there, pal. <laughs> <laughs> no nice, nice no one. You're a, you're a natural. Um, right. My next question is going to be, where do you see Hearts in 10 years' time? Uh, for example, where are the foundation of Hearts going to be after the club's handed over from Man Budge to the, the foundation of Hearts? Do you see any flaws at all with fan ownership? Do you think there, there could be some sort of infighting or things like that? Because, you know, that you, you get the doom merchants that, that I've heard, you see it on, on Kickback Forum as well. I read that quite a lot on the Hearts Forum. And uh, you see a lot of people that are absolutely petrified of fan ownership because they think there's going to be a lot of bickering and everyone's going to be top, wants to be top dog and blah, 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 blah. But there is a really, really good structure in the foundation of Hearts. And I just want to see where you think the club will be in, in 10 years' time. Well... In the in ideal world, um, back-to-back champions and can dribble winners, but you, you can't please everybody, I suppose. Um, being realistic, preferably secure as a, a challenging club. Like A club besides a heart shouldn't be mid-table or getting relegated like last year. We should be up there challenging with the Old Pound, challenging with Aberdeen, ch- challenging the top clubs in this country to really go for European football regularly. Because like, obviously, I was very young at the time, but hearts used to be minted like obviously it was helped by the Romanov money but we're a big club we used to like really go for things and getting European football and even Champions League at one point thank you Sir Paul Hartley but I just like the club should be a lot higher than it is right now it's a massive rebuilding job but once everything's secured and a couple of more years to rebuild I see no reason with the financial power that we'll get and then um, the size of the fan base, the size of the club, I see no reason other than the incompetence of the last few years why Hearts cannot be up there really challenging for honour, challenging for the Scottish Cup. You need to win the League Cup as well. Like, come on, they've not won it in I don't know how long. This, winning silverware is what Hearts should be aiming for. I know it's really hard in the current climate. Obviously, Celtic are light years ahead and Rangers are getting there too. But we should still be trying to break the old firm. Like, and hopefully that can be the case uh, in 10 years' time. As for fan ownership, um, like you said, infighting could be a thing. You mentioned kickback. Um, I tend to avoid kickback for um, obvious reasons. I just, like, don't get me wrong, there's some good stuff on there, but there's also some absolute rockets. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's more of a, an older person's thing, in my opinion. Like, I stick to Twitter or Instagram for my news. But as long as the people put in charge are sufficient and capable of running the club, then I see no reason why there should be too much infighting. However, if you put the Zoomers in charge, then you're kind of asking for it. But in all, in all seriousness, Anne Budge wouldn't let that happen. I reckon she'd make sure before she goes that the people appointed are competent, they know what they're doing, and they've got the best interest of Hearts fans at heart. And um, I really feel if we nail fan ownership and we can really galvanise the relationship between fans and club, which... There's been a fair disconnect from in recent years. I see no reason why if we can't get that nail hit on the head, then we can really push forward as a club and get the ambition that we've been lacking since like the probably early 2010s by now. Just really get the club back to where it should be. Yeah. Is a concern perhaps with fan ownership? Is that the fans think they'll have like a day-to-day running of the club? And would that do you think that caused kind of friction amongst the at times? 
Yes, more grumpy like elements. Like... The more grumpy elements of the heart support. <laughs> well, like, like, like yourself, your charlatan. Who? <laughs> I, I remember your past when you said, Bob, don't worry. What was that, sorry? I remember who, who used to support Bob. I know I don't you, we're, coming on, we're coming on to an extra question later on, son. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> yeah, but nah. in, in all seriousness, um, I do feel that a lot of fans that understand what fan ownership means, it's not going to be them turning up in a corporate suit on match days and saying, this happens, this happens, this happens. It's them getting a say. But at the end of the day, it's still the people in the suit is running the place, but they'll just get more of their opinions heard. But the people that think fan ownership means, oh, I'm going to own hearts, like, they need to get a bit of a reality check. They don't understand what it means. But I reckon, if, as I said, if we nail fan ownership and people are happy with it, I see no reason why it can't benefit the club. But people need to realise what it actually means. It doesn't mean you own the club. It means you have a say. And a small say at that, but still better than having no say. Well, exactly. Um, <laughs> that's a, a couple of my concerns as well was with that. It's, people get on their high horse, don't they? As soon as they, they know they're sort of a part owner, they're like, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> they want to try and pick the team on the on kickback or something like that. Talking about, talking, about, talking about the team, Aaron. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here, mate. Again, now, off the top of your head, name your all-time Hearts eleven from oh. when you've been going... Oh, that's a good one. Um, goalkeeper, I would say Craig Gordon, but I've never seen him play for Hearts yet. I know his past exploits, I know how good he is, but I've never seen him. So for goalkeeper, I'm not going to say Joe Pereira before you start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I'm going to go for Jamie McDonald. Like when I was growing up, going to the game, first understanding, he was always the keeper. You know, he, he played for the 5 1 team. He, I always knew who he was. He was always nice to talk to at the fan days and stuff too. And I, he was like, my um, when I was younger, I was like, oh, Jamie McDonald, he's the keeper. Like, I always remember him. And I thought he was a pretty good keeper too. Still going at Ray Throwers. So I'll go for I'll go for Jamie McDonald. Um, back four, left, back four, back three, back five. What are you going for? I'll go for a four at the back. Uh, left back, Lee Wallace, because as I said, he was always the first player that I realised who was actually there. Um First centre-back, Christoph Berra, because he was really good before he kind of tore his hamstring. Really nice guy as well. He's actually done a wee, a wee feature for my YouTube channel at one point as well. So I was always appreciative to the big man for that. Other centre-half. It's going to annoy me now because I should really I should really be able to rattle off a few players. I'll, I'll come back to the centre-half. Do, uh, do, do you want me to give you a, a little hint? Do you want me to give you a hint? Aye. 40, 40 yards at Easter Road. Oh, Oztuck. Um, just purely, <laughs> purely for that goal, I'll give him a mention. Like, he's not the best, obviously, in terms of like, overall ability that I've seen, but for that goal, like, hero. So, I'll, aye, I'll chuck him in there for that goal. Um, right back, I'll say Michael Smith. is actually, no, 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 Callum Patterson. Has to be Callum Patterson. Yeah, it has to be, doesn't it? I'd pick. I'd, I'd put him in my team as well. Yeah. If it, if it wasn't for him, then it would have been Michael Smith, but... Patterson's an absolute hero, madman, love him. Um, centre midfield, Rudy has to be Scatchel, honestly. What a player. He was just unbelievable. Like, I, my love affair for Rudy Scatchel will never um, will never go away. Like, I, I still miss him to this day. Just top, top player. The best I've seen, I doubt I'll ever see a Hearts player as good as him again, really. It's just... What what can you say about the man that's already not been said? It's one day I left peg, just ugh, unreal. Love it my bits. So definitely ready for that first um that first centre midfield spot. Um why is my memory failing me now? Um oh God. I don't know if you can call him a centre midfielder, but Jamie Walker is a still a midfielder, so I'll say Jamie Walker. Like it was it was my hero growing up, like I always wanted to be like Jamie Walker, really. Just it was pacey <laughs> Eye for goal. Is that, is that a laugh I'm hearing? T- no? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought somebody was laughing at my choice. Nah. Jamie Jamie's a great guy as well. He actually he actually follows me on Instagram now, so it's quite weird knowing that my childhood football and idol now follows me on Instagram. But um, I was I was a bit starstruck when that first came through. But yeah, Jamie just always looked up to him growing up. I was glad when he left for Wigan. I was even happy when he came back. Obviously, he's not really. He's not really hit the heights 
he's not hit the heights of his first spell, but I reckon if he puts his injury problems behind him, then he can be a top player for us once again. Oh, excuse me. That'll be it, then I'll come back up. <laughs> <laughs> Get some Gaviscon. <laughs> Gaviscon. We'll have to read the cover for that afterwards. Good idea. Um, there's been a, a few... Well, I'll say decent. We've not exactly been blessed in terms of wingers. Um, back to midfield, Ian Black. I used to love Ian Black. I thought it was... Um, Proper hard nut. That that elbow in the 2012 final, I still watch it and laugh. I don't know how he never got sent off for that, really. And then um, for a winger, I'm going to go to another member of the 2012 seed team, um, Suso Santana. Yeah, good choice. I, I liked him as well, obviously. That that um, that dive in the final, too. Hilarious. I don't know how it was a penalty, but I'll take it. Um, Is that the, the, the Park the Parkajabi? Parkajabi, yeah. Parkajabi. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how um, he managed to con the referee in the first thinking that he was in the box and secondly got Kajabi a second yellow. But yeah, he, he pulled it off and the rest is history. But uh, yeah, Suso definitely he was another one that um, I used to remember growing up because he was like, my dad was like, oh, it's Suso. It was a short name. So I'd, I'd be able to remember Suso fairly well. So yeah, I'll say Suso. Also, for another winger, he wasn't like amazing. Like the team that he played in, wasn't the best, obviously they were mid table, and like he was only at the club for a very short space of time. But for like actually, he filmed on Instagram as well. But whenever I talked to him, he was a really, really nice guy. So I'm going to say David Milinkovic. Obviously, like as I said, he wasn't there for very long. It was there for, like a season long loan or something. But he scored two goals against Celtic in the four now. So he'll always be remembered for that. And like he was a really nice guy whenever I talked to him in person. And then um, at the time, I was learning French in school, so I'd actually try and speak to him in French from time to time. And he. He seemed to really appreciate that. So, from just being an all-round good guy, I'm going to say I'm going to say David Malinkovic for the other winger spot. You got um, one. Strike, you got you got one striker now. Can only be kind of laughing, honestly. What a man! Just like I've never like since Scatchel, I've never like taken to and idolised a player quite like Big Lafferty. Like obviously his record speaks for itself. He was the closest striker Hearts have had to getting 20 league goals since Robertson. Unfortunately, like he fell just short of that in his first season. Like. He scored 20 in total, but that was like the season after, so it doesn't really count. But laughing, what can you say? Like, he really he got the fans. Like, he, he loved winding up Celtic and Hibs, like, obviously, with, with celebrations done against them plenty of times. And he just seemed to up his game whenever he seen a, a green and white shot. So he, he banged in the goals, fans' favourite. I was so gutted when he left for Rangers, but um, thankfully, he never done much of note against us since then. If I had another striker slot, I would also say Stephen Naismith because. Again, probably one of the highest calibre of players I've seen at Hearts. Like, obviously, when we got him on loan for Norwich City, I'm thinking, oh, what? You're joking. How have we got Stephen Naismith? Like, like, to think about it, when I was in my first year of high school, he was banging in hat-tricks against Chelsea. And I, like, my third or fourth year, he was he was at Hearts. I, he was in front of me playing in Marino. Like, I've seen this guy on TV on Match Day Day growing up, and now he's, he's playing for my team. Like, I, I still couldn't quite believe it when he first signed, but Naismith's also up there too, if I could have had two strikers, yeah. Another quality player. So we've got, okay, for our listeners, um, Aaron's team, like Hearts fans, tweet in if you agree or disagree at Cathedral underscore sport after you've heard this. So Aaron's all-time Hearts 11 since he's been supporting Hearts is McDonald in goal, Wallace, Berra, Ozturk, Patterson at the back four. Then he's got Skatchel, Walker, Milinkovic, Black, and who was the other one? Yeah, Lafferty. Lafferty. Oh, Su- Suso. Suso as well. Oh, Suso, Suso as well, yeah. yeah. So, guys, if if you agree or disagree, we want to hear from you. All right? Right, so I'm going to ask a slightly random question there, Aaron. You've kind of grown up differently in terms of fandom as maybe like me or Asha or some of our older listeners. How, how would you that? say that fandom is like maybe your dad spoke to you about this as well? Is it do you think there's massive differences to how you younger kind of guys approach football compared to some of the older guys that you maybe see? Well, the older guys like to moan a lot more, that's for sure. <laughs> like, I've never met a more greeting faced set of fans and hearts fans. We, we love our moan. Like I, I don't like to moan too much, but like I've all been a half to obviously. But I don't know, a lot of older hearts fans they still can't seem to fully let go of the pass. And to be fair, if I seen a Hearts team that good, I wouldn't be either. But besides the point, like 
they they seem to like I don't know like they they go to the games differently. Like the young team, like people mind. We love making noise. We love like having like a good time, having a bit of a racket at halftime or a drum or whatever. And they just frown at us like, "What what are you doing? Like we're at the football having fun." See, like obviously back then it was a bit different. But see if they were our age now. 100% they're banging that drum they're waving the flag they're jumping about singing silly songs they, they don't seem to remember what it's like to be our age and uh, they seem to be there's a bit of it's not snobbery but we definitely get looked upon oddly for just having a good time with our mates at the football and just because it, maybe like back in their days they went to like an ultras group or whatever you want to call them but it's just a group of young boys going to the football having fun people have done it differently over time like we obviously we don't go to the games in our flat caps and our dungarees waving rattles around, but it's the same principle applies. We're just going to the games, seeing our pals, having a good time, and it's because that's changed slightly over time. doesn't mean we should be frowned upon any differently for doing it. No, they, did, they didn't beat drums and wave flags about Aaron. They just kicked people's heads in with maroon Docs and Martins. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the, the 70s. Gorgie Boot Boys or whatever they were called. Gorgie Boot Boys. That's the one. Aaron. Right, apart from hearts, you get, this is a chance for you to make some new friends and uh, probably make some enemies as well. <laughs> uh, right, <laughs> apart, from, apart from hearts, forget hearts for a minute. Best fans that you've come across in football and the worst fans you've come across in football. Best fans, Atletico Madrid. Yeah? I went, I went to see them um, and for, I went to Madrid for like a long weekend and like my first year of high school, my dad, I'm, I always remember it because it was the first, I, I was never ill or that. So I'd never actually missed a day of school in my life up until that point. And I took one day off school to catch my plane there. And like, I had a math teacher at the time called Mr. May, who I re- like, I've always hated math. But like, he was just a weirdo. Like, he was just this big tubby man with his Star Wars cufflinks and his big stupid face. And um, nobody really liked him. But I got to miss his class for one day and it was like long division or something that I hated. And I got to phone the school and say, like, hello, I'm not coming in today. I'm, I'm going to Madrid. So... I was always buzzing with that and I never had to do my maths homework that week. So everything was perfect. Went to the the old Vicente Calderon. Obviously, it's been knocked down now. It was the, the final season there. Nah, it was the second last, actually. It was the season afterwards they knocked it down. But it was like a proper good game. It was under the lights as well, evening game. I'd went to a, a Getafe game before that and that was, it was all right. It was very cold and they were, they were in a relegation battle at the time. So it wasn't very inspiring first Spanish game. But the Atletico game was magic. Calderon packed to the rafters under the lights against Athletic Bilbao. So it was a very big game. Um, they went 1-0 down pretty early, but then they scored just in the brink of half-time and the place um, erupted when that goal went in because it was in Saul, their academy graduate, scoring a header. But the Atletico ultras behind the goal, big, massive like massive stand is filled with these Spanish people with their flags and their, their drums and their banners making a racket. And then in the second half, there's a video on my YouTube with us. It's actually the first or second video I ever uploaded to my YouTube channel because I started filming myself at the games back then. It was um, Griezmann scored like a 25-yarder for the edge of the box right in front of my eyes. Like it was at my end of the ground. It was, oh, the place just, if I said it erupted at the first goal, it just exploded at the second goal. And the Seven Nation Army is pumping through the speakers. Everyone's just going off their nut. This old Spanish boy next to me was, like, he had like a ridiculous, like, coat on. Like, I've got all these pin badges sewn on. He was going off his rocker, like, the whole experience was perfect. The atmosphere was amazing. The game was amazing. The football was obviously amazing. It was like the Spanish Premier League. It was obviously probably the highest caliber of football I've seen in my life. And Griezmann became my footballing idol. Just there and then when he smashed in that goal. But um, I took a bit of a dislike into him when he left for Barcelona eventually. But um, I'd say Atletico are like the team that I look for in Spain because I've been to see them. I went back there on a school trip to their new ground. It's it's nice. It's it's somehow it's still not as big as Celtic Park but it doesn't beat the original for me does that night honestly I'll always remember getting to go to that game and just the atmosphere there Atletico definitely the best fans I've seen the worst fans I've seen East Kilbride they sat on their hands up there they done nothing a, a band of five people ten people outsung about 150 of them so definitely East Kilbride <laughs> no complaints for me there really Um so obviously, tells you you just said there about you that you you started to video yourself at games. Give us a wee bit about your vlog and how how it's went at Hearts. Um, what people are kind of going to expect for looking at your YouTube channel? 
Well, um, I started like making silly wee videos in the park with my mates just kicking a ball around about 2015, but I eventually decided to start, because um, the videos I was doing then, they were, they were silly wee things, but they weren't getting many views, so little 12-year-old me's thinking, what can I do to get myself a bit more popularity online? I'm sitting at about 25 followers at this point and about 200 odd total views, so minuscule, really. So I was thinking, what can I do? And then, um, at that point, Hearts were playing Kilmarnock, so I just thought, I, I had my... Um, I'd bought like for my, like my birthday. I got like an iPod with a camera on it. It was honestly, it was toaster quality. But I thought I'll take my iPod along to Tin Castle and just film the game because I've seen people. Like, there's this guy called Away Days on YouTube. He's kind of like the first person to really do it, and I, I watched him a lot of the time. And I thought I can do that. So I just took my iPod along to Tin Castle and just started filming things. I was just sitting, chatting to the camera. People were looking at me like, what are you doing? I, I still get those looks to this day, but people at least know who I am and they know it's what I do. But this wee 12-year-old talking at his phone at Tynecastle, no one really took any notice much. But um, we won the game 1-0, Jamie Walker penalty, and um, I filmed it. And um, at the time, like, my videos were averaged about 10 views and I got like a couple of hundred, so I'm like, this could have arms and legs. So I started vlogging myself at the, at a few more times that season. And then the second season... I really thought, you know what, I could actually make something of this, and I've not really looked back since. I've been, um, I've been vlogging at Hearts games. It'll be coming up for um, whenever we're allowed it in the grounds this season. I'm pretty sure it's my sixth season now of making these videos. So I've been doing it since I was like proper young, my first year of high school, and now I'm in my last year. So I've I've been doing it a long time. It's now, it's now second nature. People always ask me, how can you how can you do that? Like, how can you go to football games with a camera? It's like it's just second nature to me by now. But um, yeah, I've just never really looked back since. It's uh, It was called Football Mania HD before, wasn't it, Aaron? It's now called just Aaron Fraser, isn't it? Yeah, it, I, the, the FMHD, and that was just like a wee childish thing. I, at the very start, I, I thought, what, what could I call a football channel? And it was, it was a toss, it was toss a coin between either Football Mania HD or um, All Things Football, and it landed on head, so I just thought I'll take that name. Looking back on it, All Things Football is probably a much more catchy name, much more recognisable. But I went for that one. I don't even know what made me think of it. But yeah, it was just um, I thought last season I was all getting rid of it. Now, like it's still the channel URL. Like, I've wanted to keep that as we mementos, like for times gone by. But the channel name's officially just my name now because I wanted to like be known for my own name rather than like a wee creation that twelve-year-old me came up with. I wanted to like, actually get my name out there to people. So yeah, that's what it's called now. Um, it's not just. By the way, just for our listeners, it's not just one team Aaron covers on that channel, is it, Aaron? There's a there's another team that you go and watch, isn't there? There is indeed. Yeah, if, I, if, I, you can, if you can Aaron. if you can just mention Aaron, if you could just mention Aaron, who you support some Saturdays. Yes, um, my other my other football and love um, I I've been a Hearts fan since birth, that's never gonna change, but I've got a a second team, you could call them um, Edinburgh City. They play in um, Scotland's fourth division. Bob's been to the games, Ash has been to the games. It's actually how I met the pair of them going to those games. Um, my first experience with Edinburgh City would have been that 15-16 season. I never went to any games. It was obviously, Bob will remember it very well, it was the historic season of promotion to the Scottish Football League for the first <laughs> time. And um, I thought the team went bust because... Me and my friends used to go to the Meadowbank Stadium. There's a wee Astro Tough pitch at the back. We used to go there and play our football after school at the weekend. It was all we done. We were just on that Astro Tough constantly. And whenever we wandered past the big old concrete grandstand, there was all these signs for a team called Edinburgh City. But whenever we were going, obviously, it was like Saturday mornings or Sunday afternoons. Um, there was always no nets up in the goals and the, the fixtures thing outside saying next game was never updated. So we always thought, we always knew there was a team called Edinburgh City. But because of like the ground being empty and because there was no nets, we like, we actually thought they'd went bust. So we never thought anything of it until we um, picked up the newspapers in May, May 2016 and realised that they did still exist. They played in like, the lower league, which at the time we'd never even heard of. And they just got promoted to the professional leagues for the first time. So that was when we first like took notice of the club. But in uh, the next again season, Hearts and Hibs weren't playing. Or something. They were both away from home, I think, or something like that. And um, they had their first ever game in the professional leagues against Forfa. So me and a good I mean, bunch of my pals went up to the game and sat together and watched it. At the time, um, a certain Ryan Porteous made his professional debut that day. So we only really knew of him because he played for Hibs. But 
it was um, it was a good experience. Like obviously we we knew none of the players. The standard of football to us at the time was like shocking. Really, obviously it's not even that bad. But at the time we'd all just been watching Premiership football, so we're like it's just like a bunch of boys running about a field kicking lumps at each other. But we just really enjoyed it. We just started going to the games a little bit more regularly when we had time and Hearts and Hibs away from home. We'd go and watch Edinburgh City from time to time, and then um, it was during probably my my second game, my third game. Me and my pal were sitting down in the front of the stand, and um, a certain Mister Jim Lumsden approached us, who was the Edinburgh City chairman at the time, legend of the game, Ja. And he's like to us, "Do you still fancy being ball boys?" So we're just sitting there going, "Aye." And the the promise of free crisps and juice did sway us a little bit, admittedly, but um, we, we we just went behind the goals, and it was a game against Berwick Rangers at that point, and this was. So it's first season they were kind of just fighting to stay up really and the game was going alright so far we were just messing about with the balls at the back of the goals and first half came and went without much incident second half we're standing behind the goals at the old scoreboard end and then ball gets whipped in and your man Usman C pulls off a ridiculous bicycle kick to put them 1-0 up so that really started to do it for us like we, we were just there by chance next thing you know we're behind the goal pitch side watching a bicycle kick fly into the net so we were just like, what's going on here? This is mental. And then um, we were going to lose the game 2-1. So I remember that game. That was against Barrett Rangers. That was, uh, that was uh, Jordan Sheeran got a double for Barrett Rangers that day. Do you know why I know that? Because I was there again. Eh? Ma- a, man right. that's, a man that's everywhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going into Edinburgh City, Aaron, um, you, you, you cover that the games for your YouTube channel on there, just so our listeners know. So there is, there is Hearts content. There's Edinburgh City content as well for you to enjoy it on YouTube. Subscribe to Aaron's channel. I'm sure you'll be grateful and, and give him a try. It doesn't matter who you support. Um, it, it's good content. Good content's good content at the end of the day. It doesn't matter who you support. It's it's enjoyable. So he, he does some great videos and some great work for such a young man. Bob, is there anything you want to touch on before I close the show? I was just going to ask one quick question about can I obviously Hearts the Ember City. Is, is there things that you enjoy more with Edinburgh City than you do with Hearts? Being allowed to film the pitch is definitely one of them. Um, for anybody that's not aware, um, Hearts are quite strict with their copyright rules. Like, I used to like sit and just film the action from my seat, but I was kind of, I was doing really well for myself and I ended up like attracting the attention of Hearts themselves and they were like, well, you can't do that, can you? Because like, I, I, I used to upload the games really quickly and I think a lot of people were just... Um, not bothering to watch the Hearts TV, which is pay for view. Like, they could just watch my content for free. So I think Hearts might have been losing a bit of money or they were just like, well, who's this little kid who's showing us up? So I got slapped with a number of copyright bans. So I've not been able to show the pitch at Hearts since 2017. So um, I have to film my face talking at the game. So like, my Hearts videos tend to be more of me talking or like, I can show the fans celebrating or whatever, but I can't show the action on the pitch. But Edinburgh City, they've been very accommodating. They let me show the pitch. They actually give me media access to the ground, so I get to go like pitch side with the photographers. And City is just it's a it's a, it's a different experience. Like I go I go to Hearts games because they're my team, obviously. Edinburgh City, they're, they're an adopted team as well. But I go there because I've met a lot of new friends from them too. I get to do my thing by the pitch. I'm encouraged to do what I love doing and. I can really only thank them for being so accommodating with me and letting me become part of the media team, really, because it's I want to um, I want to be working maybe football journalism when I'm older, but media is something I'm passionate about too, and the fact that I'm allowed to just pursue like my YouTube channel with them and actually be I've involved in the club officially, like it's just it's great, really. So I can only um, I can only commend them for that. So going to City, it's good because. Also, you feel more of a connection to the players at times because like, they're just normal working-class guys with part-time jobs that play football on a Saturday. So it's good having that connection with the players too and be, being able to film the pitch at City. But at heart, it's always like they're my boyhood team and I'll never stop following them. So there's, there's definite um, reasons I love going to both teams. Oh, that's Definitely, mate. And um, full thanks to Edinburgh City for letting you do that. That's just, you know, just to get you on that ladder, get your foot on the ladder. When you go for... A, Maybe a media job, you'll you'll be ahead with with experience already because you've already got that. Like a sort of, it's like an internship, really, isn't it, um, Aaron? With with Edinburgh City, where you're getting to film and edit and stuff like that. So it's all it's all good stuff, mate. Um, Aaron, 
we're going to wrap it up, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, you've been absolutely great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And um, I'm unhappy to come on in the future if you want me to. And um, just um, thanks for having us on, just your questions, and you've um, you've somehow put up me for almost an hour. And not many people can say they've done that. So <laughs> thank you very much for having me on the show. Really enjoyed it. Mate, we always give. To be fair, Aaron, we've got to put up with uh, the City games, so an hour's probably the least of our worries. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm normally running about the pitch for half the time, so... <laughs> Although I might, I might come back with that gigantic drum to annoy you next time we're back in the grounds. Aaron, there is a, a job going for you, mate, with us when we go visual, so if you want to be involved media-wise with us as your local um, when we when we eventually go visual... And you're more than welcome, buddy, to be part of the Cathedral of Sport podcast team, as I've said to you in the past. But anyway, Aaron, you have a great one, buddy. Right, guys, we're going to close the show now. You can catch us on all the following channels, as I say in all the episodes. You know, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Anchor. We're on Pocket Cast as well. On Twitter, you can find us at Cathedral underscore sport. On Facebook, we are Cathedral of Sport. Plenty of shows to catch up on. We've just done an interview from Falklands Water Football Chairman with Carl Cleghorn. That's been really popular. Get yourselves on that. We are looking forward to other fan guests. Next fan guest coming on, we've got Colin Pereira from Hemel Hempstead coming on. Hemel Hempstead Towers. That'd be a very interesting one. He's dubbed the UK's most dedicated fan. So listen out for that. Also, we've nailed a huge guest today, guys. We, we managed to get Lee Haskins, the former IBF bantamweight boxing champion, to come on next week and give us an interview. It's a major coup for us. So again, listen out on all our platforms for details about how to listen to that. Guys, another thing I want to touch on as well. Uh, thanks again for Jamie Mack for sponsoring our show the other night. Sponsorships mean a lot to us at the moment. Our dreams of going visual. We need mics. We need the bits and bobs basically to, <laughs> to make the dream come true. So any sponsorships, good sponsorship, as I said previously. If you want to donate or, or chip in or, or help us out, feel free to get in contact. Guys, again, thank you for tonight. Thank you very much, Bob. Thanks for that. Uh, very enjoyable uh, hour or so. Thank you, Aaron. And uh, I hope everybody stays safe. Thanks very much, Aaron. No worries. I'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. 